Hello, welcome to Songs in the Key Of, a podcast about songs. These might be old songs, new songs or middle-aged songs, anything that takes my fancy really. Sometimes these shows will be themed around an idea, a person, a genre or some other concept. Other times they will simply reflect my latest obsessions, my new favourite bands, those songs I can't get out of my head. So let's get on with it. This week is a chance to look over the past week in my musical head. So, cards on the table. Let's be absolutely honest and upfront. It would have been all too easy to fill the 10 spaces I set aside for each episode with the 10 songs from the new Doves album, The Universal Want. Because I've been playing it endlessly. It's become one of those new albums I get where the prospect of listening to absolutely anything else doesn't feel like it quite cuts the mustard or scratches that itch. Doves have always been more than just another indie band. There's a dense richness to their music, their brooding and magnificence. There's a great deal of introspection and existentialism in any Dove song, but here on this album, it feels like there are bigger, more global fish being fried. It is, dare I say it, an optimistic album in tone. Prisoners, their big song of the moment, proves it well by saying, we're not the prisoners of this life, we're just prisoners of these times. Which feels quite apposite. But for this episode, I've plumped for the title track of the new album, It's a song that questions the happiness we get from wanting things and getting them. In any other hands, such a song might sound like the overly sincere results of a 12-year-old's PSHE project. But here it comes straight from the gut, that yearning that doves do so well. The universal want is everywhere. The universal want is everyone. It's never enough. Who wants it all anyway? The universal world is everywhere. You'll regularly find a mention of a Medway Act on these episodes, and this week there's a double whammy. A bit further down the line I'll be talking about Upsy Downsy and their latest album. But before we get there, let's check in on Theatre Royal, whose forthcoming album Portraits will be with us soon. The band are still taken by surprise by the fact that many people think they are a new band, but Portraits is actually their fifth album. It's an excellent name for an album by Theatre Oil and could probably have been chosen for any one of their four preceding records. They specialise in telling stories and revealing some innermost thoughts. For this episode, I've chosen the song Kasha, 
a poignant tale of a boy who teaches a jackdaw fallen from a nest how to fly. There's a simple nursery rhyme feel to it. Naive and delicate, but simultaneously intensely sad, like a coming of age story. Blood have come up with a new single and it's a bit different to what they've done before. As tends to happen with acts who initially define themselves with a very tight aesthetic, Royal Blood seem to be getting itchy feet, looking to expand their sound and explore alternative musical influences. I was alerted to the existence of the new single by the world's biggest authority on Royal Blood, well, the world's biggest authority on Royal Blood that I know anyway, and he immediately described it as poppy. And he's right. It starts up with a pounding disco beat, auto-tuned vocals, and more than a hint of Daft Punk's robot rock. There's even a hint of Britney Spears' Toxic about this somewhere. And that's no bad thing at all. It's a move away from their pure rock sound into something with a bit more of a bubblegum flavour to it, which may well upset the royal blood purists, but I'm not one. So that's alright then. Upsy Downsy, the second Medway band of today's episode, have been around for more years than they probably care to remember. They are an instrumental act who could most readily be compared with Mogwai, all brooding guitar solos and expansive cinematic soundscapes. Their new album provides more of the same, well, if it ain't broke. Their latest album, Score, takes things in a creepy, chilling direction. Maybe not as dark and fear-inducing as their EP from a couple of years ago, Black Dracula, but it's still not necessarily a collection of tunes I'd want to meet in a dark alley. Eternals is one such tune, bristling with tension. It starts quiet and then a couple of minutes in, kicks in with the ominous drones and crashes and thrashes. It would be equally at home soundtracking a gothic horror film, or a space opera set at the furthest, loneliest end of the galaxy. A few weeks back on my last visit to Raynham's Magic Discs record store, I picked up another compilation album. 
I seem to be a bit of a sucker for compilation albums at the moment. This one was called Space Hymns, an introduction to prog rock. Aside from some unwelcome offerings from Rush, it's not bad at all. There are sprawling epics from many of the usual suspects, Emerson, Lake and Palmer, Yes and Camel, for example. For this segment, I've chosen Rick Wakeman's Catherine of Aragon. Rick Wakeman is the notoriously grumpy old man who once famously had a curry on stage while the rest of his bandmates in Yes noodled around for 20 minutes as only prog rockers can. He's also the one famous for rather grandiose ideas involving rock operas about King Arthur performed on ice. But there was also an album devoted to The Six Wives of Henry VIII. Released in 1973, this was his second solo album. It's an instrumental interpretation of each of the famously divorced, beheaded, died and survived wives. The one dedicated to Henry VIII's first wife is a busy, busy piece of piano brilliance, all bells and whistles. And is it me, or does Catherine of Aragon sound a little bit like the theme tune to Question Time? alerted to the existence of an artist called Dead Anyway, otherwise known to friends, family and her utility providers as Kate Arnold. Kate Arnold is a poet who has worked alongside Mark Simmons, formerly of the Gloucestershire band I'll often keep rabbiting on about Ernest Cox and will do so further on this podcast to set her poems to music. Dead Anyway now has an EP out called Whipping Boy, and I think it would be a very sensible idea for you to listen to it now. Now, just switch this off for a couple of minutes, download it from Bandcamp, and then come back to the podcast. Obviously, do that. I don't want to be talking to myself here. The Whipping Boy EP is a phenomenal mix of electronica and guitars with a spoken word delivery from Kate Arnold over the top. The song, Whipping Boy, is a trip-hoppy track, with a heavy emphasis on the trip, a surreal, warped, psychedelic dive into the mind of someone who readily admits there is something very wrong with me. Meanwhile, the slower-paced Two Cars offers an exercise in mindfulness, complete with jazz organ. I'm writing it down for you now because nobody else will, runs the spoken chorus. It's directed at someone who feels life isn't quite what they thought it should be by now. There are lines like, you're not going mad, you're getting saner. Whatever it is you want for them, want it for you too. And crucially, this is not your fault, because there is no fault. But the snippet I'm going to play today is the fourth track called 110%. It's packed full of those annoying buzzwords that you'll hear the director of your department say as you head over to the breakout area for your ninth coffee of the morning. 
at the end of the day, it is what it is, a game changer, a no-brainer, a roller coaster, a whole raft of new normal. It's as if W1A's Siobhan Sharp has barged her way into a recording studio with all the determination of scoring herself a number one in the charts. Thanks for reaching out. Good to touch base offline. Moving forwards is about a deep dive to push the envelope. Can you ping me by COP? Awesome source. So, peeps, two more sleeps till cheeky hollybobs with Hubster and the fur babies. Hashtag blessed. Hashtag my world. Famalam. Literally getting all my ducks in a row here, obviously. I promised you a further mention of Ernest Cox and here it comes. The next track in this showcase features that band's drummer, Shane Young. A few years back, he, Andy Farrington, George Morey and Dan Pierce formed an all too brief alliance called Big Blue Sun, releasing an album called Nocturnal City Journal which is still an album I regularly return to. It was an album that, to a large extent, lamented the unloved city of Gloucester. As someone who was brought up in that old city myself, I found much to identify with in that album. But I suspect anyone who's grown up in a place they feel a bit bored by, let down by, will be able to identify with it. From there, Shane Young and George Morey have gone on to form The Powdered Earth, which is a very, very understated duo. Hushed is the order of the day. Quiet. Gentle. Delicate. Ever so slightly distorted, Shane Young's voice undulates over tenderly played guitars and pianos, Origami Bird has the slightest of hints of Across the Universe by the Beatles in its opening bars, but it is very much its own thing, a gorgeous, beautiful thing, just like the folded paper of the title. We spent our summers reaching For sticklebacks in streams I was listening to the radio and a new song came on which was so far to the left on the political spectrum I was half expecting a snippet of Enoch Powell's Rivers of Blood speech to be played straight afterwards in the interest of balance. I loved it. The song that is, not the Enoch Powell speech. A Fit for Work by Dead Letter clearly owes much to the sound of idols. There's the same kind of snarl you'd expect from the Joe Tall but fronted act. 
of that, there can be no question. But added to this is a saxophone which howls and screeches and generally causes a world of chaos. If, as Stuart McConey once tricked the world into believing Bob Holness played the sax solo on Jerry Rafferty's Baker Street, then this solo is more likely to have been played by Jack Torrance out of The Shining. It's a searing song full of righteous anger, listing various characters and the disabilities affecting them, both mental and physical, all of whom are labelled as fit for work by Shirley, a work capability assessor. Little else needs to be said about the lyrics. They speak for themselves and the weird, warped world we live in. Johnny's missing two arms, but his legs look dandy. Fit for work. Jenny's post-traumatic, but we cannot see this, can we? Fit for work. Brian lost his legs, but he wheels himself well. Fit for work. Becky's body's breaking, but we never could tell. Fit for work, fit for work, fit, fit, fit for work! It would seem sensible, what with the Mercury Prize having taken place a few days back, to dwell for a moment on the winner, Michael Kiwanuka. His album, Kiwanuka, is surely a very deserved winner. It was certainly one of the albums that really stood out for me. Much as I love Sports Team, whose debut album Deep Down Happy was also nominated, there's something of a bit more weight and grit about Kiwanuka that is missing from the Sports Team record. The highlight from that record has to be the opening song, You Ain't The Problem. When interviewed by Jules Holland on Later on Friday night, Michael Kuanuka said that this, his third album, had a special place for him because it was the point where he had learned to be himself and accept himself for who he is. He cited Bill Withers as an inspiration who advised him to be himself. And that is precisely what this song is about. It's a rich, rich song, so rich it'll probably give you heartburn for weeks to come. There's an old school glamour to it. You can imagine it being sung against the backdrop of vibrant velvet curtains and men in frilly dress shirts. There is absolutely nothing to dislike about this song. This song alone makes Kuanuka a very worthy Mercury winner. What makes you blind? I hope to find who I believe in. Get back in line, I can't deny myself, show me the feeling Ah, oh, you got me wrong, if you don't belong, live in the trouble Don't hesitate Time heals the pain, you ain't the problem I live the lie, love is the crime, it's you I believe in No need to blame myself, no need to die, I'm only human I'm done, you got to put me on, I know what you come along Don't hesitate A couple of weeks ago on this podcast series, I waxed briefly, but lyrically, on the subject of a band called Medal, whose song, Gloria Victis, features the commentary on a horse race. I suggested at some point I'd need to feature it on a future episode of Songs in the Key of, 
and I think that time has come. Metal fits into the same category as Porcupine Tree for me, not least because I discovered them at about the same time while at university. A sprawling modern take on prog rock that the pretentious sixth former inside of me loves to bits. With metal, they are more than happy to wink knowingly at the listener about their own pretentiousness. Porcupine Tree will earnestly knock out a tune called Last Chance to Evacuate Planet Earth before it is recycled, fantastic though it is, with the straightest of faces. But there's something a bit more knowing about metal. Songs like Thermo King, Bernie Winter Gardens and Behe Moth, Behe Butterfly suggest they know that all this elongated music can be a bit silly. Anyway, back to Gloria Victis, the penultimate track on their album Stuntman. It's a song of epic apocalyptic proportions that portrays a horse race with all the drama of the arrival of famine, pestilence, war and death at the start of Armageddon. It is spectacular. Everyone geared up, rooted and riveted to the prospect of what must be a titanic gold cup. So that's it for another episode of Songs in the Key of. I hope you liked it. Drop me a line if you did, please don't if you didn't. If there's anything new you think is worth me mentioning, do drop me a line on Twitter using at Reviewage. Let me know who you thought should have won the Mercury. Then again, following on from the Theatre Royal song, you might want to recommend other bird-related songs, or tell me which wife of Henry VIII was your favourite. In the meantime, have a marvellous few days and nights till we meet again.